Hello, everyone. This is Andy, the analytical preacher. A common phrase we hear in modern Christianity, a common idea that's expressed over the last few decades in the Christian world is that we need to have a quote-unquote personal relationship with God or a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I occasionally get questions about this idea, and the questions really sort of center around two main topics, two main categories. One, is this a biblical idea or is this just some fancy mumbo-jumbo that preachers have come up with because it sounds good? And if it is biblical, what are the foundations of it? What are the scriptural foundations But then what does it look like in our lives? What does it mean to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? I will say it is a biblical idea. It's not expressed in explicitly those words in the Bible, but that concept, that idea of having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ is a scriptural idea. We'll cover some of those scriptures and then we'll look at sort of what does it mean? How would it play out in our life? The first scripture I would go to, I think, would be the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' disciples said, how do we best pray? And Jesus said, when you pray, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. You find the most famous version of this in Matthew chapter 6. Our Father who art in heaven. It doesn't say to the unknowable, unsearchable creative entity that has no relationships or emotions we offer our field no it's as our father who art in heaven jesus is intentionally saying let me take a description that you are very familiar with and use it to say this is how you communicate to this eternal all-powerful creative entity that is the god of the bible And there's other verses we can pull. I'm going to pull two verses here that I think really help us understand this relationship idea. In Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 6, you get this. And because you are sons, just as appropriate to put children there, and because you are children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave or a servant, but a son or a child. And if a son, then an heir through God. Same writer, Apostle Paul, wrote this to the church, to the Christians in Rome. We call it Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. This is pretty powerful. And there's a there's a quick thing to note here. In Galatians 4, Paul is saying that the Spirit is really crying out, Abba, Father, sort of on our behalf or with us. In Romans 8, he's saying that we cry out, Abba, Father. So it's not just like we're crying out to something, but we can't really get to it. We can't really approach it. We can't really connect with it. Paul is saying, no, just the opposite. God has sent the Holy Spirit to help you connect. And as you try to cry, the Spirit of God is already in you crying, Abba, Father, with you. So it's this very tightly connected, intertwined, quote unquote, relationship that we're speaking about. Many of you in the Christian world will say, oh, I'm familiar with that Abba phrase, 
It's a Hebrew or an Aramaic word. Sometimes people will talk about it sort of means daddy. It, it, it does in a sense and it doesn't in a sense. Abba was just this Hebrew or Aramaic way to talk about father, but it, it implies a very close bond. It, it implies a close relationship. It implies a level of respect. To be honest, it, it even implies or encompasses obedience to the one who you're referring to by that name. A good distinction would be this. Instead of saying, our spirit cries out, biological father. No, our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Our spirit cries out a personal reference. So we can have a biological father. We don't care for the biological father doesn't care for us. They didn't take care of us. We never built a relationship. It's just a purely physical thing that he provided half of my DNA. This is saying, no, we're not just calling God biological father or eternal father, almighty God. We're referring to him with this very personal name, with this name that implies a close relationship, a knowledge of each other. And it also implies some respect and some obedience because of the closeness of that relationship. Of course, it's fine to use examples, to use earthly things we understand like father or even Abba father. It's fine to use those. Jesus used human examples all the time fishermen and farmers and shepherds and so forth. It's fine to use those, but we do have to be careful. We're trying to talk about God, this eternal, creative, sustaining, redeeming force. We're trying to talk about God in a way that we can understand it. And Father, Abba Father helps us do that. Let me throw in a verse from Hebrews 12, just to sort of balance it. I'm not really talking about my earthly father here. I am talking about almighty God. Hebrews 12, I think, helps us to balance this out a little bit. Hebrews 12, 28, the writer says this, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. It is appropriate to say God is our Father. It's even appropriate to say our hearts cry out, Abba, Father, my close connection and relationship that has taken care of me and that sustains me and that guides me and that sent his son to die for me. I have that level of intimate personal knowledge and relationship with this quote unquote father who art in heaven. But he is not an earthly father. He is the creating, sustaining, redeeming God who I should worship with reverence and awe because that God is also a consuming fire. But I do love that father idea. And I think it helps us when we say, what does it mean to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? What does it mean to have a personal relationship with God? Part of it is that understanding that he is like the ultimate perfect father and we are the adopted children who he who he adopted who he was willing to adopt allowed us to be adopted chose to adopt however you like to use that phrase god is this adoptive father but i think it means a little bit more than just that part of what people mean when they say we have to have a personal relationship is this we have to personally know god we have to personally believe in god 
We have to have personally surrendered our heart and our life to God. It's not enough to say, well, I'm living in a quote-unquote Christian nation, or I come from a very good Christian family, or my mother or father did this in the church. And I think sometimes we can place our religion, we can place our faith into that category. And part of what people mean, preachers, Bible teachers especially, when we say, no, you need a personal relationship with God and Jesus, it's just a way of saying you cannot rely on the country you were born in or what your parents did or what your sister does. You personally need to know about God, believe in the promises of God, have repented and turned back toward God in faith in Jesus Christ. And we see this in the Bible. Both John the Baptist, who preceded Jesus, and Jesus himself, they speak about this. They spoke to people in their day who would say, we're sons and daughters of Father Abraham, and we've been made certain promises. And Jesus and John the Baptist go, no, the nation of Israel was made certain promises by God that they would be used to make God known and that they would be used to bring the Savior, the Christ, the Messiah into the world. But John the Baptist and Jesus both say, but you you individually have to personally know God. You have to personally follow and obey God. So to have a personal relationship with God means we look at God as Father. Who's, who has adopted us into his powerful, eternal kingdom and loves us just like he loves his own children. And it's this life-altering, amazing turn of events. And we look at that personal relationship with God as something that we have, not something that depends at all on the country we live or the state where we reside or what our parents or our family has done around us. It's a personal thing where I know and I've chosen and I'm following God. As for the answer, what does it look like to have a personal relationship? How does that play itself out in our lives on a day-to-day example? Let me continue to use this adopted child because, again, that's the language that the Bible uses, that we are adopted by God into his family, into his eternal, unshakable kingdom, that, of course, Christ is the preeminent son, the Bible tells us. But now we're adopted as brothers and sisters of Christ, as joint heirs, if you will, to what's in the will of God. So let me continue to use that as my example to explain the second part of the question. I believe the oldest kid, the oldest person I've known who was adopted Uh, personally, was a 14-year-old young lady. She had been in foster care for about 10 years, I believe. She had lived with individual foster families. Some of them had children, some of them did not. And then she was living in a group foster home. She had been treated well in these places, but none of them were really her family. And at 14 years old, which is is incredible, and what a beautiful Christian family to come along and and take a 14-year-old and raise them as her own. When she was taken into this family, to say she was excited would be putting it mildly. And she said, they really treat me like their own children. And my brothers and sisters now treat me like I'm one of the family. And it's this almost unimaginable thing to a 14-year-old that this could have happened to me. This is real and this is genuine. And she was saying, I want to know 
everything about these people. I want to, in a sense, conform my life to them. These are the things that are important to them. These are the holidays that they celebrate. And this is the way that they celebrate those holidays. And I want to be right there among them. Never really cared that much for Thanksgiving, to be honest. But that's their big holiday. That's when people travel in from out of state to visit and spend time with them. It's not really Christmas for them. It's Thanksgiving. So I'm like, I don't even care about Christmas anymore. I've got a real family. And to them, Thanksgiving is important. Man, I celebrate Thanksgiving now like my life depended on it. It means so much to me. I want to know my mom and dad. I know you may say, well, they're not your real mom and dad, but they are my real mom and dad. I want to know who these people are. Where did they come from? Where did they go to school? What were they like when they were my age? I just want to totally immerse myself in this new family. And there are things that are important to them. They go once a month and they volunteer at this animal shelter. I'm not really a pet person. I'm not really an animal person. But you know, I go and I'm really getting into it because I can see how important it is to them. I see how much my brothers and sisters like it. And it's amazing when your identity changes like that, how those things become important to you. One of her brothers or sisters, I don't remember, One of her siblings was allergic to nuts, like deathly allergic. I think pistachios was their worst, but almonds, peanuts, anything. She said immediately, they're telling me, if you want to eat them, you have to keep them in this space and you can't bring them into the kitchen area. And she goes, ah, no, I'll forget them. I don't want them anymore. If, again, I don't remember if it's the brother or sister or what the sibling's name was, but if X can't eat them, if they're dangerous for them, I don't even want them anymore. She was like, it's just amazing how things change when you have a real relationship with a real family. That's my answer to what does it look like in your life to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I think it means this. I want to know about Christ. I want to know what Christ's example was. I want to know why he was willing to die. I want to know how he died. I want to know about his resurrection. I want to understand about his reign from heaven as we speak right now. I want to know the things that make Christ's heart smile. What makes God happy? Because I am so thrilled to be adopted in that family. This relationship has changed me so much that I desire to see the things that make God happy. I want to participate in the things that make God happy. And I know there are things that break the heart of Jesus Christ. And when I'm in a really deep personal relationship with someone, I don't want to see the things that break their heart. I certainly don't want to participate in the things that break their heart. And, and you know, we could take this example. We could take it beyond an adopted child into a family. We could take it to just a personal relationship. When we begin to date someone and we think that someone might be the someone, doesn't it change us? Don't all of a sudden you used to always play golf or used to always play tennis on Saturday, but now that special someone wants to go fishing instead or whatever it is. You're like, yeah, gladly, gladly. Let's go. This will be so much fun. I love it when I see you get excited and you get so excited when we go hiking like that or whatever that is, you get so excited. That's 10 times better to me than going to play golf. 
That's that personal relationship. And so when preachers say you need a personal relationship with Jesus, it means you don't just know that there must be some God-like creative entity out there, or you don't even just believe that creative God-like entity must be the God of the Bible. It's deeper. You don't know about God. You know God. And because you understand this is the one, this is the God that is going to be my Savior, my only chance at connecting back into God's kingdom is going to be through Jesus Christ. I've been adopted into this unshakable kingdom. A personal relationship means there's just this burning fire. I want to know God. I want to know Christ. I want to participate in the things that make God smile. And I want to avoid the things that break the heart of Jesus Christ. This podcast certainly doesn't have time to cover. Here's all the things that make God smile. Here's all the things that breaks God's heart. But they're in Scripture. And so we can read the Bible to get to know our God. And we can understand the things that makes him happy and the things that make him angry. And we can begin to build our life, to change our life, not being forced, not arm twisted, but because we're in a powerful personal relationship, we are adjusting ourselves to that relationship. We are investing fully in that relationship. And I don't need to cover all of the things that makes us a good partner in our relationship with God because it's, it, it is in scripture. You can listen to devotions, read them. You certainly should be going to church and participating in Bible studies and small group discussions and so forth. We don't have to cover those in this podcast. The answer to the question, what does it mean to have a relationship with Jesus Christ is understand God is your father. Understand you've been adopted into God's unshakable kingdom into God's unshakable family. That should change you so much that your greatest desire now is to be the most productive member of that family that you can be. And then to try to find out, understand, how do I become that productive member of this family? How do I play my role in this relationship, which has thrilled me and completely changed my life? That's how I would say a Christian today would define having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you do not, you need to seek out some Christian friends, some Christian leaders, a church, and you need to really seriously think about, consider pursuing that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, being obedient in confession and repentance and baptism, etc. This is Andy. Until next time.